Okay. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to the greatest story ever told. Um, um yeah, welcome to the greatest story ever told. If you're listening, hopefully you are. Wait, let's start over. Wait, why? I like it. <sighs> okay, it's fine. Well, I want to give a duo shout out, and this is a surprise thing for you, but I found out about our youngest listener. Who is that? How old, how old do you think our youngest listener is? Wow. Um, I'm gonna say. 16 because I kind of hope no one younger than that is listening well I have to break your heart this is really cool we have a three-year-old listener his name is Milo (laughs) wait and shout out to Milo Bella Chalfin you're our youngest listener if you're listening to this we love you wait shout out to Milo but also please don't um start saying the words fuck and god damn it actually he can if he wants I don't think he can Anyways, but, um, anyways, that's adorable, and I I do um, like that we have a thrilled listener. But me too. It is a little bit scary because it's like I don't want to do anything um, that's going to scare Milo. But I know, and I my mom has started listening, and I I'm already like, oh, she doesn't want to hear me swear either. Oh my god! Also, I get I sent a link to my therapist, Amanda. If you're listening, hi, hi Amanda. <laughs> Amanda, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, so I guess what we're saying is we've released some episodes and we're kind of uh, aware of people listening to us now. Yeah. Which, which I is, think changes um, things a bit. It definitely does. Um, so, and having so, gotten feedback yeah. is, is has been very useful, but also um, scary in that it's a little scary to know that people are listening. I mean, I even want yeah. them to be. I do too, but it is there is something about it that's very like, oh no. It's kind of like, this is my private space that I am <laughs> willingly making public, but still get a little scared that it is well, yeah. open to the and, public. And our relationships with the Bible, whatever they may be, those things are, that is, I think, generally a somewhat, is it private? No, I guess people's relationship with the Bible is, in a lot of cases, very public. Anyway. I feel like usually it kind of, I mean, maybe that that's kind of like the weird... thing uh, about the Bible, it's public and private. Yeah, it's like, or like the weird paradox of it is it's supposed to be like your personal journey and like a lot of it's about like your relationship with God and Jesus but then people really like to make it very known like where they're yeah. at and yeah <laughs> what they're trying to do sorry I just burped um okay wait so we have wait. another exciting Oops. thing today yes. which is oh my we're God. having our first guest yeah guys Peyton we're having our first guest we are having our friend Andy Weber is going to be joining us later um, he famously has been correcting me every time I say the Bible by saying the Torah. So he's here to represent oh, the Torah heads out there um, because Deuteronomy is the last book of the Torah, the books of Moses. And that is something I learned literally this week. I truly until this week was uh, under the impression that the Torah was the entire Old Testament, which it's not. And it's not. I am kind of jealous of Andy that he didn't have to go through the entire Bible as I did when I was yeah. a kid yeah I, think I mean I guess we'll find out if he even had to look at it at all I don't know another another friend of mine who is Jewish was like listen a listener and was like you only did one episode on Genesis and I was like yeah sorry we can't do that many episodes and then he was like you know whatever maybe googled something and was like oh oh my god I actually just totally didn't realize there were more than five books of the Old Testament that's so funny because like, yeah, there's like now 50. I had a conversation with a friend probably like a month ago who is also Jewish and she was like, how many books are there? Like six or seven? And I was like, Ugh, are you okay? So cool. Like there's like 65 books. 
And I truly was like, I I thought that she just maybe was really out of it or something. (laughs) And like, wasn't familiar with the Old Testament or any of the Testaments. And now I'm realizing, oh, that's why she said that is because the Torah is so short. And now I feel bad for like thinking she was like, no offense, like stupid. Having an, <laughs> having an off day. Yeah. Um, okay. We also, before we start really quick, I, last week we did, we talked about um, numbers and yes. I, uh, for whoever listened, I was really fixated on the presence of the unicorn in that book. <laughs> and I, so I did some Googling and there, the theories are that the unicorn refers to like a rhinoceros or like some type of ram, which I think is complete bullshit. I think like, I kind of think there was probably some other animal that looked more like a unicorn that they were referring to, but um, also like, aren't the rhinoceros, like that's from Africa. These people aren't in Africa, are they? Uh, Yeah. Wait, they are? I believe, yes, they're in North (sighs) Africa. But isn't, wait, I imagine the rhinoceros being from like not North Africa. I mean, do we need to Google it right now? No, we can't. It's, or should we? Are you Googling it? Yeah. I imagine... Are safaris in North Africa? I'm really exposing my lack of knowledge around geography. Oh my God, me too. Okay, so I thought Israel was part of Africa, but it's- Wait, no. The country is at the crossroads of Europe, Asia, and Africa, but Mm -hmm. it is part of Asia. It belongs to the Asian continent. Wait, that's interesting because I think I probably would have guessed it was a part of the European continent. Wow, we are really dumb and we definitely don't know what unicorns are either. No, but honestly, this is a really good- example and since whatever of us learning along the way i know yeah i love to which learn. is what this whole thing is about yeah um so, so we should get started with deuteronomy yeah which totally. uh, i guess the first thing i want to say is i like how it sounds the word deuteronomy oh yeah it's definitely a, a word that to me it feels like a word that you know exactly what somebody's talking about mm-hmm. you know you don't use deuteronomy like deuteronomy is like an expert word it's like i'm speaking to you about deuteronomy no, you're not going to get confused. It's like, kind okay, of, you know it's kind of like slaps you in the face a little bit. It's like, yeah. whoa, that's hot. Like, that's a hot word. Yeah. Deuteronomy or, is a hot word. It's not, actually, I mean, but what is it? Okay. okay so, so, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, all the books leading up to Deuteron- Deuteronomy, the, the title has made sense a bit with the book yeah. to, to a degree. But I, after reading Deuteronomy, still don't know what if that's a name or like what that means. I don't know me. what it means, but I did make a huge mistake, which is I was trying to figure out, I was on the run, you know, trying to figure out what book came after Deuteronomy uh-huh. the other day. And it came up with the, it was like Deuteronomy. And then it was like, as if it was the definition, which this is going to say what the book is. It's a repetition of the laws and covenants okay. and stuff like that. So it had, the word has something to do with repetition, which, so Basically, wow. you guys, Deuteronomy <laughs> is once again a repetition. But I have to say, like, Deuteronomy, I think the vibe is great. Like, oh, okay. I, yeah, I, I actually noticed that you were probably going to disagree with me because of the way that you were texting me about Deuteronomy. Yeah, I said, texted Courtney. I said, Deuteronomy is dot, dot, dot doing its thing. I took so, that to mean it was doing its thing in a good way, actually. And then I thought about it for a little while. And I was like, when I heard it in your voice, I was like, oh, Peyton means it's boring or something. But Well, okay. So basically the book is a series of speeches, I guess, yeah. that Moses is giving to the Israelites before they are allowed to cross the Jordan into the promised land. Yeah. And my frustration with it was 
there's some confusing timelines and it's pretty like non-linear in a way that isn't cool I think like I think do you do you agree with that well so I think this actually might come down to me and you being different styles of learners actually because I really appreciated Deuteronomy because I think it did a a good job of just reminding me what I've been over like it felt very much like a review lesson like you know when you in elementary school you'd have like days mapped out be like this will be test review and I was always like fuck yes because it was like, oh, I'm going to get to go over and like, make sure I know everything in order, you know? Totally. So I, I, I saw it a, as happening in order. That's the good, um, that's a good reference for it. Um, I think my frustration was once again, like the repetition and it mm-hmm. would repeat, it would repeat things that we heard from other books, but then it would repeat things that we were hearing in this book yeah. too. And then I, I just like, I honestly, there were certain points where like everything started to get a little blurry, like yeah. my my vision and like the words stopped making sense. And the whole time I was reading this, I was imagining Moses giving these long ass speeches to the Israelites. Yeah. And they're like sitting there like, okay, can we please get into the fucking promised land? I know. Like you're giving us all these speeches of all this shit you've said a million times. And it reminded me of like when you're a kid on a field trip. <gasps> And I know, you're yes. going to like a petting zoo, for example, yes. and the person who's like works there has to give you all the rules, all the like guidelines of, you know, how you can act in the petting zoo. And like, as a kid, all you want to do is pet the goddamn goats and shit. Yes. And that feeling of being like, you're about to explode. You're like, get me into the goat pen. But yeah. like, you have to listen to this person and you also have to like behave because if you yeah. don't, you might not get to, you pet might the not goat. get to pet the goat. And that yeah. is the Israelites. They're the kids. Moses is the person who works at the goat farm and the goats, I guess. Israel are the promised land. is the promised land. Yeah. But that's, I, that like was running through my, what'd you say? Jerusalem, Israel. I, I am sounding like such an idiot. Well, I'm it's reading okay. the Bible. We're learning. We're learning. Okay. The promised land. We know that's just what the Bible says is the promised land. That's what I need to know. They're yeah, trying to get into the promised land. land. doesn't matter what it is. So here we go. We're starting Deuteronomy. Let's go ahead. So Moses addresses, like you said, the Israelites, they've just killed two Kings of the Amorites and a King named Bashan, whatever. I, it's really hard for me to keep track of names and place names. Yeah, in the Bible, I, like, I kind of like had to of course. You know, skip around. So it's really exciting. Moses in this, Moses does feel very much like the nerd, like student council. It's like, it's the person who's giving the rules. Like that is such the good example where it's like, Oh my God, like we get it, but like also they're really important. Like they are giving you important yeah, information. Yeah, exactly. But, but they're taking like Moses is definitely taking his position and his importance in this moment. Like a little, it's like he's crossing the line a little bit. Where it's like you're kind of overdoing it. But so he's like, okay, you guys have been walking long enough. This is your land the Lord gave you. Uh, he's like, I can't do this alone. Each of your tribes is going to have a leader. And then Moses kind of deals out positions like captains and judges. And in chapter one, he's just kind of, I, I even wrote in my notes, I was like, I love Moses. Like in this moment, he's like, you should not be afraid. He's like telling them like, stop, don't be afraid. Like you have worked really hard. This has been difficult for all of us. And like, don't be afraid. And I was just like, I love you. You are my student council president. And so, I, yeah, he, I feel like comforted by, yes. he's, he's kind of like a neutral, good yes, man. Totally. And so he, he re is, he's rehashing all the stuff we've heard but about finding the land about 
recapping, like he's giving his take on things. It's, we're kind of hearing from Moses a little bit where it's like, this was hard for me. He's like, I was trying to advocate for you, but I was also trying to be, he's kind of giving his getting to talk. And it's not just like the Lord speaking through him. It feels like more. I agree. When I, I enjoyed Deuteronomy and that it felt less like this is the word of God as it's written by Moses. It was like the, the way it's written is these are Moses's words, yeah. which I guess and like are essentially the word of God to a degree, whatever that means. But um, yeah, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm reading like Moses's diary or something, you know, like these yeah. are his cute little words, his little thoughts. Okay. And so then in chapter two, something that was surprised me, he refers to the children of Esau and he's like, he's like, you will buy meat. He tells them that they're going to, they did, they either did, or they are going to buy meat from the children of Esau. And it was just like, oh, it's weird to me to think of the children of Esau are out there too. But of course they are like, these are the children of Jacob. Like we've been this whole time with the children of Jacob, who is Israel. Oh my God, yeah. And we're yeah. like, oh yeah, Esau's kids are out there too. And then he also talks about, he's like the children of Lot. And I'm like, oh my God, all the Genesis stars. It's kind of like, it feels like, um, celebrities kids. yeah it, feel, it felt to me I was like oh my god they're all, of course they're all out here like they didn't just disappear we've just been in this storyline it's like, like what if are the they real doing? housewives kids all start yeah. their own show yes yes totally it's like tiny tunes or what was it baby <gasps> Muppet babies yeah no yeah tiny no I like tiny tunes better that's so cute I love tiny Did they wear diapers no I think they were like older than they were out of diapers oh, okay <laughs> but i think muppet babies like a were in of, diapers like bugs bunny in a diaper but that might be something else okay so okay. In, in in book two so i or chapter two the one thing i underlined was the name zamzamims oh yeah the zamzamims that was what the i wrote that down too that was like what they were the, like call the ammonites zamzamims and the zamzamims i think were the giants oh the, okay, i think I, I love that yeah, the giants are Zamzamims, and like that's adorable. Yeah, we're hitting up the giants. Like we're getting through everything. Oh, and this in chapter two, I also started wondering. I was kind of like talking to you about this earlier, actually. Like, is there a Bible about? It's so hard to articulate. We're reading the Bible that is the Bible about God vis-a-vis the Israelites. Do you think that there's a Bible about the relationship between God and the children of Esau? do they have a different kind of relationship to God? Like, I'm wondering, it's like, because he kind of makes reference to the children of Esau, it's like, oh, somebody is also keeping tabs of them. And it's like, is this just the Bible we have kind of arbitrarily? That is a very, very interesting question because it feels like that. It feels yeah. like reading this, it feels like the chosen people was kind of arbitrary to a degree, especially because some of them were chosen and then like after they fled Egypt, then broke away. But something that I wrote in my notes, actually, like as I was finishing Deuteronomy, I don't know if this is like too early to bring up, but I was like, this feels like kind of eugenics or like something mm -hmm. like, like, well, maybe we actually, yeah. I don't want to. Should I, should I not bring this up? Yeah, because it's it applies later. Towards Anyways. the end, I think I know the part you're talking about, but I get it. it, it there is a vibe that's kind of like uh, all about keeping this nation separate from other. Yeah, and like pristine and perfect. Yeah. And like, and then I also wrote like genocide because it's like anyone that isn't yeah. a chosen person is killed, which is like 
obviously very dark well if they're in their land right it's like it's they're not supposed to like go out beyond the bounds of like the promised land but it's like oh you have to destroy the altars of people who are also in who are like in the promised land right i don't think he's sending them on a crusade no but but like on their way to the promised land they also like wiped out entire nations and and then even once they're in the promised land they're not maybe like actively going out and killing people but the idea is that the only people who are like the children of god and will be like saved by god mm-hmm. are the israelites so it's right. like they're the rest of the world is just like sorry like you're fucked you didn't you weren't like born into this group of people you don't get the protection or the love or whatever of god yeah so that feels scary it does and, feel like, scary. very a little bit like it's dark yeah um that and the that and it's like kind of related to this thing that i was feeling about deuteronomy god too that was like oh my god it's like falling out of my brain like i just was connecting these two things whatever i'm sure i'll oh no i do remember it's like there moses at at certain point throughout his speeches is like god is telling him and god is also is telling him what to say but it seems like he has a little bit of freedom in what he's saying but god is telling them it's like remember i didn't choose you because you're righteous i didn't choose you because you're better than other people or you're the biggest tribe it's like actually and he says like you're a stiff-necked people or something like you know what i mean he's kind of yeah. being like rude throughout he's he never rude. says he never says <laughs> he never says anything nice about the israelites actually he's like all you do is complain like well like, god is mean and he's like but i chose you and it's kind of like for he's kind of it is arbitrary he's kind of saying like it's not for any reason which kind of on one hand makes it almost more magical and special like it's like i chose you for no reason it's not like it's kind of like um oh, I don't love you because like you're beautiful or I don't love you because of these qualities. Like I love you for you. It's like this kind of weird, it's almost Hmm. like that. So anyway, the Israelites are sexy for no reason. And then, okay, Moses is like going through, he's like, remember the day? And it's kind of, he's being cool. And to me, he's being also very sweet because he's like, remember the day when you, when God gave us the commandments? Like he keeps kind of asking and question for him. Like, do you remember this cool thing? look back and all we've been through together. It's kind of that kind of feel to the speech. Like we've been through so much together. And then I actually was shocked, a little bit shocked to find out in chapter four that Moses isn't allowed to go to- Oh yeah, I I, I wrote giant in my notes. And, yeah. and as, as I read this, I was mine. like, oh, I forgot about this. Cause I remember, remember this part of the story. I was like, oh fuck, Moses doesn't get to go in the promised land, which is like, that's a, a bomb dropped on yeah, the readers also like god so fucking sad i know moses has been working so hard has been doing so much like and so it is like moses's goodbye deuteronomy is a, moses's goodbye honestly. deuteronomy okay and like once i knew he wasn't going in and i was reading it was really emotional i was yeah, like i agree oh shit like we spent all this time with moses and I feel like he's giving his final wishes from like the deathbed yeah. sort of thing. And I, it was unexpected. Yeah, I um, did feel it emotional. it really like colored the rest of my experience reading Deuteronomy. Yeah, me too. And, and immediately after I, after I realized he's not coming, that this is like his goodbye speech. Um, I was like, read a few more verses, you know, and I was like, oh, Moses, and Moses is saying, you know, we were walking in the wilderness. We we did all these things. Like the, we walked through the Red Sea, like he's going over again. And I was like, oh yeah, we did. It's like, I'm one of 
I was like, oh yeah, you're talking to me. Like, it feels like Moses is talking to me, like Courtney, you and I, I was with you when we were in the wilderness. Cause like reading through that was like reading through the wilderness, you know? Yes. And he's like, Moses saying goodbye to me in my reading experience. Like Moses has been leading our experience reading. So yeah, I, I, I felt very much the same way. Like, I think this was the first time I kind of got a little emotional. Um, yeah. Wait, no, I've been emotional reading the Bible, but emotional in a like an attached kind of way where I'm, I was yeah. feeling, I think I, I actually was grieving a little bit. Yeah. I was I didn't like know grieving I was so... for the loss of Moses. Me too. Um, and which I was, shocked I... me. Yeah. Um, and so, oh, and I also love like, it also showed more like what Moses has been up to, which I think, and it showed more about how Moses's like role has been so difficult because he's going into this, the fact that like God is jealous and merciful. Ultimately God, Moses's job has in talking to the people of Israel and in, in talking to us via this like Bible has been to try to explain something that is not explainable, which is God's contradiction. Like, it's like, God is so jealous and so merciful. And like Moses has been in the position, he's kind of the liaison where he's trying to be like, make it make sense to us. And it doesn't make sense, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's once again, like the, the dynamic feels like a kind of toxic oh, totally. figure, mother yeah. who's like the peacekeeper and then the kids. And it's like the same type of thing. It's like having a really complicated relationship with your dad where you're like, I love you so much, but you're also like kind of so scary. scary or and, you know, yeah. I'm not saying that my dad is like that, but you know, dads are just kind of scary. Dad, yeah. Like a dad is naturally kind I think. of scary. So in chapter five, they are kind of, or Moses is sort of outlining again, different commandments, mm -hmm. which happens a few times in this book, but one that or there's two, oh no, there's there's one main one that I highlighted, which was, uh, it's verse 11. It says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Mm -hmm. And I am so interested in the concept of taking the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. Because what does taking something in vain mean? I like Googled for a little bit and then was like, you know, I don't know if I want to get a Google answer. I think I know. Can you? Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know, but my feeling is when you take something or someone's name in vain, I, I think of it as me being totally wrong and not knowing the answer. I think of it as saying someone's name when you're not talking to or about the to or about them in a well-intentioned way. So like maybe, but I think you're not taking, I guess I mean like a pure, like a pure, honest intention. So like uh well that's hard because i'm okay i'm trying right? to think about, like, it is hard oh my because god. i was thinking because you say, like thing. oh my god you are kind of saying god why did you make this happen like why did you make this happen or like oh my god like god what you made okay. this happen that's so cool exactly <laughs> this is the conversation that was had so many times during my upbringing was kids would be like why can't we say oh my god we love god and our teachers would be like <laughs> you can say oh my god if you're praising him or like speaking to him, but if you're saying, oh my God, in a way that's like disconnected from any type of conversation with him, or um, I don't know, I guess like crazy kind of thing, that's taking it in vain because you're, you're like using his name for kind of like your own fucked up weird purposes that are, that aren't like really even attached to who he is or something. Yeah. And like, we, like saying oh my god and like god damn it well like to me god damn it was the 
scariest thing I could ever imagine. Mm. Like I was like, that is the worst word or combination of words, I guess. Truly, even like it took me even it took me a long time, even in my like adult years to kind of like hear it and not flinch because I was like so scared of God damn it. Because that was like the way I was brought up. That was the worst way you could like take the Lord's name in vain. Wow. And this is just the first time it's like entered the text and yeah, um, it's interesting. It's like, weird. What does in vain mean? Like, you I don't, don't know. know. You don't know. That's such a personal thing. Like, if you're doing something in vain, like, mm-hmm. no one can know that, really, not even yourself. So, anyways, I didn't mean to go on that tangent, no, but I thought that I was, I mean, that's endless. Interesting. And then, oh, well, I was just, um, one that kept sticking out to me. And I think it's more just because in this book, this one, they keep hitting it really hard. No graven images. Like, and they're like, don't make any graven images of, and I think that means like engraved, graven, but like it also, I think just means like drawing, like I think like making imagery kind of seems like it's wrong. And I would never in my million years consider making a graven image of God, like trying to make an image of God. But the way that they keep telling me not to in this book, I'm like now desperate. Like I want to like draw him. I know. You know, it's like the but ultimate transgression. It's the second commandment. It's confusing too, because you look at, Catholic churches and Christian churches and I don't know like a lot of different type of churches exactly. have rely so heavily on imagery of well actually well, I guess not specifically God. about God yeah none totally. of it's oh my God. God it's all Jesus yeah Holy no shit. Does- that's really interesting yeah I okay well uncovered that something else in well I guess this is in chapter six but he says here here O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord And that gave me pause because, you know, the Trinity, Mm -hmm. the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, which isn't introduced until the New Testament. But I read that and was like, wait a second, Deuteronomy is saying the Lord our God is one Lord, but then later there's three parts. Confusing. Anyways, nothing to dwell on, but. Well, it's just a difference to note as readers of the Bible. I, I mean, I also was thinking about like, okay. So for a while, I think I was going through these books being like, oh my God, God sucks. You know, like God is a psycho. Oh my God. And then I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe like, that's the point. Like, I know that maybe that that sounds stupid, but for a while I didn't really realize that like, that might be the point, like making God look like a horrific character. So that then like when he is reformed, it's like a big contrast. Like if you're writing a story, like, or like classic, like, like character development, It'd be like, oh, you need the difference to be really pronounced in totally. what they learn over the course of a. I know that the books, maybe it's like, well, were these books written really separately? Like, what was the plan? <laughs> but it's like, I don't you know, know what I mean? You, right. You know, but it, it, it kind of works if there was. Because it's like, oh, you start him out as like a total absolute monster. Well, and then like it he, really, it makes you, we're kind of like, I guess, hopping around. So I'm just going to do this. But oh, yeah. There's, a section, I mean, I think that's fine because this book doesn't really, I mean, it really is like not linear, but there's this one section where Moses is talking about supporting the the homeless or like people. Oh, yeah. um, and people who are poor, people who, people who are things, poor yeah. and like don't have a, a home. And it's like all these rules on like giving money to them and supporting them. And I, I truly mm-hmm. like almost cried <laughs> because it was the <laughs> first time like something felt really sweet. Yeah. And it's, I, and now what you're saying about like portraying God this way so that the shift is really apparent and yeah. like this stood out so much because it's surrounded by a ton of scary shit yeah and like my reaction was so strong to it because huh. 
it, it was like probably the sweetest thing I feel like I've read so far. Yeah. I don't know if you agree. Yeah. I love, I, I, I do agree. I took a note of it. It's like the gleaning gleaners is something that he talks about. Like it was mentioned in a previous book, but they hit on it harder here, but it talks about like the gleaners and the, the idea of gleaning has already been in the Bible. I forget which book, but it's like, you don't harvest from the corners of your fields and you leave the crops in the corners of your fields for people to come and take what they might need. Like you, a, a farmer isn't allowed to keep all of their crop. And gleaners yeah. are the name for, it's like the action of taking the leftover. And there's this really good movie that you should watch that I would recommend to anyone listening. It's the Agnes Varda movie called The Gleaners and I, which is about oh, how wow. like the biblical institution of gleaning has carried on to today, like to now they're like, gleaning is legal and a lot of people don't know about it it's like after a farm has been harvested like whatever's still there after a certain time people can go and take it there was another sweet passage where Moses is talking about going into your neighbor's yard and basically saying like you can go into your neighbor's yard and like snack on their fig trees and they're like pomegranates and whatever you can't take anything with you but you're allowed to like go and snack and I thought that was was really nice it was it was really sweet it was like you can eat as much as you want but you can't bring a vessel like you can't bring a container yeah it's like going (laughs) to your friend's house it's like yeah eat their chips but like don't take it would be weird yeah you know yeah it would be weird if you brought like a little goodie bag yeah that's so funny I know that that is exactly what it's like um Oh, I thought there was so many cute stuff in Deuteronomy. Like one of the things was Moses is like, you have these rules in chapter six. He's like, you have these rules, you have these covenants. And for the rest of your life, it's really important that you talk about them. It's like, talk about them while you're walking around, talk about them in your house. And then it was like cute. And then like the next thing it's like, you went too far. He's like, write them on the posts of your home. And then it's like, no, you went too far. Like, I don't know. Well, I'm right kind of into it. It is kind of cool. But like you're like, oh, we're talking about what the Lord did. We're talking. It's like, and I'm also going to carve it into all the walls. Like it's like, no. He really is he like something a sweet, nice. Like a your like favorite high school teacher, you know, who's like really sweet uh-huh. and like doesn't make you work too hard, but then sometimes gives you an assignment. You're like, fuck you, you know? Yeah. And and like yeah. you can then forgive because of the rest of the things they're doing yeah. are so nice, but then occasionally something comes up that you're like "Mm, we can't really be friends it makes it you like it's the it's like the teacher who you think of as your peer almost and then something comes up where you're like oh no no we're not peers you're weird you're my teacher this is an authority figure I'm a student like that's the dynamic and yeah okay so oh my god chapter I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit here but no please um oh well there's two things that I really loved which is like God insults the people again it's like I just love this insult which is you have been rebellious since the day I knew you and I just like love like that and then the cut. next it's a deep cut and then it's like wow damn that was super mean and then um the next thing is chapter 10 verse 16 Moses tells he says this sentence like I don't know what he means but I just am obsessed circumcise the foreskin of your heart I wrote that down too and it sounds like a song oh, like that's kind of nice like a song that a kid would make where you'd be like I don't (laughs) know you know um yeah I wrote that down too we talked about uh, circumcised lips and then now it's a circumcised heart I'm like what's next what else can we circumcise like our fingertips I don't know um it's really gross yeah it's gross 
um, circumcising your heart. But I was also like, in a way, it's kind of sweet where it's like, I circumcise the foreskin of your heart. It's like, oh, okay, that's sweet. It's like a Valentine's thing. Oh, also, I think that Deuteronomy is where we got the phrase, a blessing and a curse. because in chapter 11 he starts saying everything starts saying like this is a blessing and a curse which i really never took the time to like dig into that expression with and i i realize it's kind of amazing because it's like it's not like i mean obviously it's like when something is a blessing and a curse it's both things at the same time but it's interesting to think of it literally as like because blessings and curses are often like spoken like it's mm-hmm. a it's a type of language. It's a language that's activated in a certain way. So you can activate your language as a blessing. You can activate your language as a curse, but like, or you can activate it like doubly so as a blessing and a curse. And it's like really powerful and crazy. So he's like, cause he's like, here's how it's a blessing. And, and basically it hinges on their behavior. It's like, if you do everything I say, it's a blessing. But when you do this other thing, the same thing I'm saying becomes a curse. That's a huge part of this book. Yeah. Because basically Moses is telling them via God, I guess, like if you follow the commandments of the Lord, these are your blessings. Your land will prosper. Like your wife will have babies. I don't, there'll be milk and honey. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, but if you do not follow the commands, your land will not prosper. Your wife will yeah. not have kids. The land will not flow with milk and honey. So it really is this kind of like, these two different poles, but it's about the same commandments. Yeah. yeah. So the commandments essentially are, could have the potential to be a blessing and a curse as They're well. They're both. Ooh, yeah. scary. They're both at the same time. It is scary. And so, oh, another thing that happens in this book that threw a curveball to me was now suddenly it seems like the Levites have no power. Okay, like, I was thinking that too. They're like grouped in with widows and divorced women. They and they don't have any inheritance. Of, I feel like the Levites are now like monks where they're like yeah. completely oh in God, servitude totally right. to the church. They have n- no power. Like essentially are these like silent like forms just wandering around the tribe or whatever. Um, yeah. Kind of like performing these mundane tasks, which felt like a a, a pivot for sure. Because yeah. for a while I was like, I want to be a Levite. And now I'm like, Me too. They, they I was like, damn it. Like they can't do shit. Back to like the blessing and the curse and just the way it's also talked about how Moses is like, okay, these are all the things you get if you follow the commandments. But like that'll be a couple verses long. And then he'll be like, and if you don't, this is all the shit that will happen that's gonna be really bad. And that goes on for like a couple pages. Yes. You know, and it's like the list of things that are gonna suck if you don't follow the commandments are is a lot longer than the list of good things that will happen. Yeah. And it's once again way worse. It's way worse. Well usually it's like you're gonna get fucking stoned to death or some shit. Yeah. Um which is worse than like having healthy crops, you know or worse than the the good equivalent of having healthy crops. But yeah, once again, felt like uh, this system is built to fail, you know? Yes. Um, and it also felt like God is out of control. It's like when God, it's kind of reminds me of somebody like a character in a movie who has anger problems, who's like learning how to be nice. And so they try to start, like, it seems like whenever God tries to start saying or doing something nice, then he remembers that a bad thing will happen if you don't do that. And then once he starts thinking about the bad things and his anger, he just goes on a crazy angry rant tangent for like way too long. And it's just like, oh, you had it for a second. Like you were being nice. He's never nice without it devolving at some point into like psychotic wrath. Yeah, totally. 
kind of amazing. It's kind of it's awesome. like everything is so conditional too. It's like I, I, which like happens with Jesus. It's like an unconditional kind of love. Like this is yeah couldn't be more conditional. No, I, it actually made me realize too. Like even just saying that about like God being somebody with like severe anger issues. It's like God isn't perfect, which is kind oh, of cool. But it's weird that we all, at least I was kind think of think that, that he was. Yeah, we, I think we are supposed to think that God is perfect, but it is really interesting to be like, oh, actually God isn't perfect. Like I get that the whole thing is right. Jesus is perfect, but isn't I mean, that, that is an like, interesting distinction of- is like, maybe that became confused with the New Testament is yeah, we the New Testament is like, Jesus is flawless, perfect, whatever. And yeah. then because Jesus and God are so linked, we're like, oh, that means God is perfect. But I don't know if the Bible ever mentions God being perfect. It right. hasn't so far. It's mentioned. Yeah, him being it a hasn't. Real piece of shit. Yeah, it's it's mentioned him being jealous and, and also wrathful. merciful. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. So interesting stuff. So okay. Another thing I thought was very cute was they keep mentioning something called frontlets between your eyes i was wondering what that remember it and put it in the frontlets between your eyes and so i think of that as like it's about like remembering the rules and i think of it as like imagine a little like curtain that might go between your eye and your eyelid that like has the rules printed on it that's really cute so deuteronomy also goes back into um the endless conversation about clean and unclean animals in chapter 14 is specifically and I think it's getting more and more confusing it Um, is and he's also at some point saying you can eat whatever you want whatever meat you want as long as you do it in front of the the lord or something yeah and then it's like but don't eat these things it gets a little the meat stuff is wait a second wait a second wait a second like you yeah he literally says that followed by a list of things not to eat um yeah but then it's it's so weird so you so you're allowed to eat animals that chew cud and have a cleaved hoof yeah but not if they only do one of those things yeah oh my god once again it's i love when it says the the little owl and the great owl it's like so Mm -hmm. cute it's like him distinguishing between like a little owl and a big owl i love that Mm -hmm. but there's a list that says these are the beasts which you shall eat the ox the sheep and the goat okay normal the heart and the roebuck and the fallow deer and the wild goat and the pie garg and the wild ox and the chamois. <laughs> and it's that like, okay, so <laughs> like what's the chamois? What's I, the will, I will not partake of the chamois. And like, now I really want to eat a pie garg, whatever the- Yeah, we need is. a pie garg and a chamois for our Bible feast. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, I love that. And then I also uh, found in chapter 13, something interesting. He was like- prophets and dreamers of dreams are put to death like anyone that's a prophet or a dreamer of dreams is put to death and it just is like another instance of god being so insecure you know yeah and then like you can't have like any part of what i know it's like anything at all you're getting killed if you have a dream if you're a dreamer of dreams and you want to talk about that that you're gonna have to be killed and then also having to do with prophets i feel like moses drops another bomb on the israelites and it's like you will have a prophet from among yeah. them, I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Like, I know the prophet. And I felt bad for the prophet too, because the next thing he says, like, I just, God is like, so insecure. So covering his own ass all the time. So like he makes sure he's like, you will have a prophet from among you. And, but also when the prophet comes 
everything the prophet says that will happen that happens is my prophecy but anything that the prophet says that doesn't end up happening was actually not my prophecy you know and it's like (laughs) it's it's still cool i know it's like god it's still cool if some of the stuff you say comes true like you don't have to like you know what i mean it's kind of like it just makes me mad it's like trust yourself i'm just getting my water i'm like there was hold on let me find this really quick um i'm so sorry i really want to find this do you want me to say one little thing that i loved while you're looking i would love that okay on chapter 19 moses is telling them one of the ways there's also a funny thing in this book where he's kind of telling them some of the funny ways that it's okay to kill someone and you won't get in trouble (laughs) and so like i loved this i know and he goes okay if the axe if you're using an axe it's like so specific all of a sudden he's like if you're using an axe to cut something and the axe flies off the handle that's actually fine and it if you and you kill somebody because the axe like kills them when it flies off the handle that's fine and like you don't get in trouble and it made me also realize that's where the expression i bet something someone flying off the handle comes from you know like when somebody's oh like my God. oh she and then she totally flew off the handle Wait, it's like somebody okay. who accidentally like loses their shit. There's another like catchphrase from this. This was like the book of catchphrases because yeah. the eye for the eye also originates oh, yeah. in the book. And then this is like pretty different, but there's, um, I can't remember which verse it is, but there's this Christian song I used to have to sing that was like, and I will raise you up on eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, make <laughs> you to shine like the shine, no shine like the sun. Um, anyways, and that's from this book. So back to the prophet, I found what I was looking for. So it's, I liked this verse. It's 1810. It says, there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that useth divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. Very hot. I love that. But anyways, so the prophet thing, reminded me of speaking in tongues and I grew up in like an evangelical church where people would speak in tongues and it was this really weird intense thing that I personally didn't enjoy and basically what would happen is like out of the blue at any point during the service someone would just start being like like kind of making some kind of fake sounding Hebrew shit that I don't think it's coming from God. No, no offense to this person, but, and then they would finish their little tongues and then the pastor would go up and be like, someone has been chosen to relay a message from God. And now we await someone to, for God to send his translation through another person in the congregation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So then we'd wait for a bit. And then another <gasps> person would, would like be like, I am the Lord, your God. I am here today to like, blah, 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 blah. So basically someone would speak in a fake language and then someone would translate it into English so we could understand it. And it was like, those were like the quote unquote chosen prophets of our church. And it was always like the same people, obviously. Of course. Oh my God. They're like teacher's pets, like kids who just like want to like raise their hand to talk first. Also, because no offense, it's like a fake thing that they're doing. That was where- No, I know. That's what um, I mean. My... It's like kids being yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's... I have the answer. That's where I went when I heard the prophet thing and then was got like really uncomfortable because I really hated when that happened to church. Yeah, that is, I've never had any experience like that and that I would kill to experience that. I would kill to be in 
a church where that happened. Oh, okay. Some, another okay, thing wait. I saw. Oh no, go ahead. Okay, it was like you're allowed. And a thing I didn't realize is like if you take a woman captive, you can if you see a woman that you think I think maybe from the armies that they're defeating, it's like if you take if you see a woman that you like, you could take her captive, but you to be your wife, but you have to shave her head and cut her nails. And then after a month, she's your wife. But then if you end up not liking her, you can just send her away. And it's just like, Jesus is this, Christ. Is this 22? Chapter 22? I think it's 20. Oh, 22 is one of my fucking favorite things I've ever read in my life. 22 is scary. Wait, really? Okay, I'm thinking yeah. of maybe a different part then. Maybe I'm thinking of a different part because, oh, wait. No, never mind. Only the beginning. So actually, when it gets to like chapter five of, I mean, verse five of 22, I'm like, oh my God, this is so stupid. But the beginning of chapter 22, Peyton, I'm obsessed. It's literally like, if you see your brother's ox run away, you aren't allowed to hide. You have to help. Yeah, like it's literally cute. these, there's like several little chapters, like little things that are like, don't be a dick. It's literally just like, if you see your brother's ox, like you, ha- I know what you're going to want to do. You're going to want to pretend you didn't see it, but you're not allowed to do that. You have to get off your ass and you have to help and you have to bring the ox back. And it's like, if you, and then it goes on, it's like, and if you see it fall down, you aren't allowed to just pretend you didn't see it and walk away. You have to help the ox get back up off the ground and bring it home. It's just like these things about like, be a decent person. It honestly, but I can totally understand like seeing my brother's ox, like running free in the city and being like, oh, and like turning away and being like, shit, 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 shit. Like, I don't oh want to, it's like, I'm busy. Like, I don't want to have to deal with that. I mean, honestly, this, that passage I like felt personally targeted by because yeah. I so that person, like if I see like a dog running around the street, it's like, <laughs> escaped it, my instinct is to just like ignore it and like run away, oh which is like yeah, really bad really bad and I actively try to um curb that instinct but I am the person who would be like oh, fuck, yeah. like there goes the ox like I can't do this again yeah or you'd like pretend you didn't recognize it like somebody be like hello that's your brother's ox and you'd be like oh what you'd be like oh my <laughs> oh my god you're right and um, then yeah it does okay. get shitty because it's like that's the one right that's all about like it god doesn't want any diversity he's like you can't even plant like diverse seeds he's like you can't plant different kinds of seeds together you can't wear linen and wool together it's like everything that's alike has to be together and everything that's different can't be together and but then it goes into all this shit about basically it says if you rape a virgin you just have to pay her parents and then she'll become your wife and then all this other shit. I did like a little extra research on this this chapter because okay. I was so disturbed. And there's one oh my God. there's one section where it's if you marry a woman and then you doubt her virginity and then oh, yeah. it's found out that she wasn't a virgin when you were married, she will be stoned to death. And mm-hmm. there's something about like a cloth and I think it's like when you lose your virginity, you like bleed onto a cloth and the cloth yeah. is kept as proof of your virginity. It was like real, 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 real gross. Um, and that's like, actually terrifying because you don't necessarily bleed. Like not no. everybody that loses their virginity ends up bleeding from that. I know. Experience. And so like, do they have to like force themselves so to maybe, bleed so they don't get like fucked right, over? Right. I, I, was, I, bet if I you actually didn't had bleed, to take a little break after the, that chapter because yeah. I was like, this is great. Um, well, to cheer us up, something I found that was amazing in chapter 23 was that I think chapter 23 verse 23 correct me if I'm wrong it's that 
I think what they're saying is you have, you're supposed to carry a weapon and a paddle with you whenever you walk around to bury your poop in case you poop. <laughs> Wait, because it's like to bury that which verse what verse 23 it says like okay what it says is like to bury that which cometh from thee and it's talking about like keeping the ground clean because everyone walks around oh it's chapter 23 verse 13 okay and thou shalt have a paddle upon thy weapon and it shall be when thou wilt ease thyself abroad thou shalt dig therewith and shalt turn back and cover that which cometh from thee well, that's definitely, definitely means you're if covering you shit, your shit. Yeah, it definitely means you have to carry a paddle around with you so that you can cover your shit. I mean, I kind of like that. I me too. I think it's better so than like funny. open air shit everywhere. Definitely. Um, okay, let me see what else I know caught my eye here. There's a cool little section. He repeats again. Oh, he another thing Moses reminds me of. Oh, this is so funny. Okay, Moses reminds me of a nervous mom like leaving their kid with a babysitter because they're like, he's like, remember all the rules. Like, don't worry. Like, it's okay. Like, or it reminds me of like when my sister actually leaves her baby with my mom. Like, she goes over the rules so much because my sister has no faith that my mom will actually follow the rules. So she like repeats them so, 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 so much. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So Moses is reminding me of that in this book because it's like going over the rules. Like, please, you guys, I won't be there to watch you. Please be good. And then one thing that I loved in chapter 25 is that, okay, if you're married to somebody and then they die, their brother, if you're a woman, you're married to somebody, they die, their brother is supposed to just like marry you and so that you can have kids. But it's like, but then there's the option where the, if the brother doesn't want to marry you, you have to like go to the elders and be like, he won't marry me. And then the elders give him a talking to, and then if the, he can still decide not to marry you, but then you do get to do something cool, which is you get to take off your shoe oh no, you get to take off that man's shoe and spit in his face. And then I think that's it. But it's like, okay, fuck you then. And then like, you got to go on your way I and deal with it yourself. I think that's a good punishment. And there's a verse that I highlighted in that section, verse 10 that says, and his name shall be called in Israel, the house of him that hath his shoe loosed. <laughs> I know. So nice. Like he's going to be it's called really good. that. He's yeah. It's like called that's... the house of him that has, hath his shoe loosed. Yeah, that uh, situation sucks, but it does have a silver lining. Um, well, there's well, one one interesting thing. My my last thing I have to say is in chapter 24, they're talking about divorce, which oh, yeah. um, seems to be like okay to do. Yeah. So basically, it divorce is okay, but it's always essentially the fault of the woman, like as makes sense with the yeah. Bible. Um, oh my God, there's. Which is something that, like, I was taught in high school very, like... It's women's fault. Profoundly. And, like, we, I remember arguing with a teacher about divorce. And we were like, well, what if a man cheats on his wife? And he was like, well, that's because she wasn't providing him with what he needed. You know, and it, so oh that, that was gross. There are a couple of things that I just must say. Moses is tw 120 years old mm -hmm. when he's saying goodbye. He... This is the last thing that we really do have to say. Like, okay, I... It was making me laugh because... Moses is giving these like crazy long speeches like and imagine the kids waiting to go into the petting zoo and he then is like and actually now I the Lord has told me I need to sing you this song and then the song Moses, is really nice the song is really nice but it's also so long and like it's imagine so being a kid long. and it's just literally Moses alone like not unaccompanied by music singing this like long ass song that's like includes 
like the apple being the apple of God's eye. I like pointed out some of the lyrics I really like. And I know what, it's been- What verse is this again? This is 31. Oh wait, it's like, I mean, I'm so bad at writing this down. It's 31, 31, 19. Write the song. Oh yeah. Real. I think it's 31, 30. They start singing the song. There's there's one wrong? part of it. It's it kind of starts in 32, and there's oh. one part of it that I really love. It's kind of the beginning. It's verse two, 32, 2. It says, My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. It's really nice. It's beautiful. Can you read a little bit more? Like it's the song is beautiful. Yeah, because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His word is perfect for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. And then there's, I found that part of this is the eagle thing. He says, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. It's really nice. It is really nice. Oh, and there was something else that I thought was so beautiful that he was like, you're supposed to, he's basically being like, Oh my God. It's chapter 29, verse 29. He says, basically has been saying all this shit, but then he says the thing. He says, the, (laughs) the secret things belong unto the Lord, our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. It's something about that is so sweet to me. It's like the secret things belong to the Lord, our God. It's like, we don't have to worry about those things, but there are things that were revealed to us. And those are ours yeah which I just thought was quite just so it's kind of like sharing an experience or a secret with someone you know and like that there is a secret like I love the respect for the secret things it's basically being like there are secret things that only the Lord has and I respect that it's not about like needing to know the secrets it's like well the Lord knows the secrets and then the very very last thing before we talk to Andy Weber Torah superstar is that Moses says these covenants and these rules and stuff are not He's like, when, if you ever forget them and you lose them, he says, you don't need to go into the heavens for they're not in heaven. You don't need to go searching beyond the sea because they're not beyond the sea. These things are in your mouth and heart, which I thought was I beautiful. I love Moses. I, I know, love I love Moses. Moses. I love Moses. Well, so, and, so and then, then the book ends with him like dying on Mount Nebo, essentially. He dies and they pass on the, the yoke to Joshua. Yes, and the next book is and Joshua. The next book will be Joshua. So we'll see if Joshua can fill these shoes because Moses is like, I'm shedding a tear for our saying goodbye to Moses. I know I am too. And I'm shedding and my eye is slurping that tear right back up into its tear duct because we're about to say hello to our guest. All right. Stay tuned for Andy Weber. Stay tuned for Andy. Stay tuned Um, for Andy Weber. Hi, Andy. Hey. Hi, Andy. Welcome. I'm so excited to see you. Welcome. I want to welcome you to the greatest story ever told. Thank um, you for having me. As a representative of the chosen people, we thought it would be really great to have, you know, your voice involved, hear what you thought about. We just finished reading Deuteronomy. I know that you have been reading a bit of Deuteronomy yourself recently as per our assignment. But yeah, I guess first we just want to ask you, what is your experience with the Bible so far in your life? Um, well, like I grew up going to Hebrew school and Sunday school. So like we learned all the stories, but because, you know, when you go to synagogue on a Saturday, it's like they read the Torah in Hebrew. So Mm -hmm. it's not like you go to church and they're like reading the Bible verses to you in English. Yeah. So to me, it was always like you sort of 
go to synagogue and then you sort of tune out because you I don't understand Hebrew. But like in Hebrew school, you learn all the stories and stuff. So it, I don't know, there's sort of this weird like detachment between the stories themselves, which like I always, like I knew the stories from Genesis and Exodus growing up. Right. You know, so I was only actually reading the text of the like Torah. But you were reading like, it for in, my bar mitzvah. In, you were reading it in English or in Hebrew? Like I, that's what I'm saying. Like for my bar mitzvah, I had to read a portion of it in Hebrew. That's like, that's what it kind of is when you're having the bar mitzvah. It's like you read your, you read from the Torah from the first time in front of the cool. con- congregation. Um, and that's in what... Hebrew. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No. Do you get to pick what you read? Uh, no, because you, it sort of depends like whenever you're, you have your bar mitzvah, like that week, it, it's sort of like, that's your passage. So you know what oh. passage you have to study so that you can recite it at your bar mitzvah. And then you, you give like a little explanation of the text that you read. And so I feel like that's when I had my most sort of intense period of actually reading the text itself. Otherwise, it's just like a matter of knowing the stories more than anything. I have so many questions. One of them is, do you remember your passage at all? No, I was hoping you, I figured you would ask, but I was hoping you wouldn't. So you don't remember a word of it? No, I I don't even remember what, it was Genesis, but it was like, I don't remember what part. Wow. So for me, growing up really Christian, there are certain stories that were a much bigger part of my education. Like, obviously, like Noah was huge. Moses was huge. Like, were there ones that were, there were that were focused on more or like that you had, that you were, you favorited it? I mean, I think Exodus in general, like, is definitely more prominent because like Passover is just all about that story about the Jews leaving Egypt. Um, So that I guess is. So I I didn't know this is embarrassing, but I didn't know that the Torah ended at Deuteronomy until this week. So were you aware of the rest of the old Testament or like, was that ever spoken about or acknowledged or. What do you mean? Like there are many more. I'm just showing my ignorance. No, 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 because there's because like the Deuteronomy is like Genesis, Exodus. So that's four books, but the Old Testament I think has like 30 something books. Yeah. So there's like the journey of the Israelites continues on for more and more books, but like the Torah ends at Deuteronomy. So Like, like was their extended journey ever mentioned? Or it was just like, okay, like. Moses dies and they're going to go to promised land and then like that's the end of the story for you guys yeah from my understanding it was always sort of like Deuteronomy was the the end the end wow yeah my friend Zach who is also Jewish didn't know that he thought that was how long the Old Testament was but the Old Testament is like long (laughs) there's a lot more do you so you don't know about like Joshua this is just showing no, this like, is just how you. little I know. Yeah. No, um, no, no, no. I mean, not really, no. No, I Okay, don't. cool. Interesting. Yeah, well, I want to know, I guess, well, God, I have so many questions for you, Andy, but one of them, just because it's so fun to have um, just another person reading the Bible to chat with here, but I want to know just from, like, what did you make of, we recently discussed Exodus and we discussed Passover, the, the actual, the plague with the angel of death. Like, what did you make of that when you were a child? Um, did it kind of feel good to you? 
or <laughs> you know what I mean like I imagine if I if I read that like knowing that that was on as my a side. chosen yeah like that it's like <laughs> oh you wouldn't have been killed by the angel of death I have an older sister and I think we I, I seem to remember like her joke being I think she even wrote it in one of the the um, Passover prayer books the Haggadahs she uh-huh. she underlined um when it said firstborn um she wrote firstborn son okay to specify um because yeah. she thought that was like so that's she, you but yeah. obviously we're Jewish so it doesn't really matter but, well um, I remember like for me reading that exodus as a as a kid always being really scared that I was a boy because I was like wait I'm you know, pl- placing myself in these situations, I would have been way more fucked than if I had been a girl. But also I had an older brother. So I was like, wait, okay, so Trevor's gonna die, I'll be fine. But still harbored some fear about being a boy and thinking about what that would have meant for me, you know? God might kill you. Did yeah. you think that God was, Andy, did you think that of God as a scary guy? Or was he more framed as like, cause he's a terror in these books yeah. and I'm just wondering how like how that he's a gelled, jealous god yeah how did that gel for like weird. going to synagogue and like talking about god because it's like well we're talking about this guy but like this guy is truly not so nice well I think that's the that's like the big thing for me is like I said we weren't reading the text in English like right so all these sort of like really obviously scary things felt less scary because it was for me like religion was more just based on traditions and stuff so it was more about like sitting through services like four-hour services and stuff like that so and the traditions sort of definitely downplayed a lot of the (laughs) scary like tyrannical craziness that you definitely get if you're just reading the bible straight yeah yeah (laughs) because I was I was raised like thinking, or I I thought I had a very like close relationship to God and Jesus. Like I was in constant communication with God. I was like praying all the time. And like, I thought like God was always with me and like watching over me. And the emphasis for me was so much on like my personal relationship with those figures. So for you and like for other Jewish people, I guess, like, is there, are you guys interested or like growing up, was there any emphasis on like, how you personally, individually were interacting with God? No, I I never felt that. It never felt like that. They were sort of pushing you to have that really personal communication. It was more like everything was sort of already set. It was like you, yeah. your job is sort of to follow, is sort of just to follow these rules. Um, like all the rules are pretty clearly defined and, you know, it's sort of about obeying rules yeah so I mean that makes sense like a distance from the text would be like a distance from like the the, those sort of like measures of distance from this like primary source what that would that makes sense to me that it wouldn't be so like uh, on you like everything like I feel like I can see Peyton how it'd be like it feels like very it's up to you to understand these words and it's up to you to like have a close relationship with them and and that and I was like asking for forgiveness for my sins every day but that's very specific to like yeah new testament and the belief in jesus dying for your sins and all that shit you know which i guess you know isn't a part of the torah at all wait so did you have like your own personal torah um i had like 
So we have the Tanakh, which is the Torah is just one component. There are three pieces of it. Mm -hmm. And um, the others are like basically commentary. And like that sort of makes up the entire like holy book kind of. So I had like a fat, like fake leather brick of a book. Wait, and that was maybe they gave me for like around the time of my bar mitzvah. But was that mostly commentary or was that both? Like, yeah, like the the Torah itself is only just like a a third. That reminds me, like I had a Bible growing up that was like the the teen study Bible or whatever. And it was the, the text of the actual Bible in very like casual language that like, I guess teens could understand, but then it would have a whole section like after, oh, it kind of reminds me, have you ever read like Shakespeare when on one page, it's like the, the text of like the play and then on the, the like mirrored page, it's like the explanation of it. Cause it's so hard to describe. It was kind of like that where it'd be the text of the Bible. And then the next page would be like the explanation. So similar, I mean, I think maybe. it's, yeah, in a way, I mean, I think a lot of like, a lot of like the Jewish sort of understanding of the Torah is definitely about, it's definitely filtered through Torah scholars over the centuries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are, there are people who have like devoted their entire life just to studying the Torah, like every day and like sort of understanding what's being said in this document. Those, co- that commentary is almost like as important as the text itself, I think. That's I could really, be completely wrong, that's really but that's how it sort of feels. It's like, you're always sort of hearing about these like scholarly um, um, interpretations of yeah. the yeah. Yeah, because like we, you know, I grew up reading the Bible only in English, but we were like aware of the fact that it had been like translated 7 million times, but like we didn't have anyone who could like read the original Hebrew text. So we were like so far removed from the the actual like original written Wait, word. I mean, what was it? Was it originally written in Hebrew? Yeah, I think, right? Andy? Okay, well... <laughs> Andy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, okay. So you've read some Deuteronomy this week, correct? I did. I didn't read all of it. How much did you read? Would you say? A third. Okay. What That's was some bad. like, yeah. Did anything stick out to you? Like what was yeah. your experience? Give us a little of that. So actually I was, um, I didn't really know like what Deuteronomy was. Uh-huh. After I started reading it, I was like, oh, this is not what I thought it was. Um, these are the rules. These are like yeah. the rules. This is Moses basically retelling his side of things and giving the rules. And so I was I was surprised um, by two verses in particular, I guess, six, eight and six, nine, uh-huh. where they basically explain why we have a mezuzah on our door frames and why we wrapped fill in, which are two two things that um I never understood the origin of a mezuzah is a little um, prayer box that you that all Jews put on their door frames in right. New York. You'll recognize them in yeah. most apartment buildings. I had one in that, my apartment. Yeah. So the mezuzah is basically this little um, this long little rectangular prayer box that has a scroll in it. The scroll is this little piece of paper with the Shema written on it, which is a um, an important uh, sort of Jewish declaration that is actually taken from a verse in Deuteronomy. It's the translation is hero Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. 
Um, and that's something you say every day. Um, anyways, that is on the scroll in the little box that's on your door frame. That's mezuzah. I love it. Cool. The fill in is this thing that these leather straps with a little uh, box attached to a little box. You wrap them around your arm and your hand in a very specific way. Then you put it, there's one that goes around your head. sits in between your, um, you know, like on your forehead. And those, those two things, the mezuzah and the tefillin are referenced in Deuteronomy and I, I did, or spelled out in Deuteronomy and I never knew that. So cool. I was just Is that the frontlet? Is that what a frontlet is? Yes, I believe so. <gasps> Oh my God. Okay. Andy, oh we God. were just talking about, so <laughs> our plan, our plan was like to talk about, you know, our Deuteronomy thing, talk to you about your experience with Deuteronomy. And we just talked about this, the frontlet. I didn't know what that, so those things went completely over my head. And so I was just reading this literal, like King James version translation. And it was like, you shall keep this in the frontlet between your eyes, you know? And I, yeah. I was like, I don't know what that is, but I was imagining the cutest thing, which was like a little curtain that goes between your eye and your eyelid that has like some, all the rules written on it that you can kind of scroll. And I just oh, thought it was yeah. like a cute little thing. I, that's, I, I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure. I'm sure you're right. I think you're that right. it's the tefillin. So that's you'll amazing. see it, that these very weird looking little things. And you see these, um, you'll see like in these uh, little boxes and then you'll see the box on the forehead. And, that's and then what's the in, is something in the box? Yeah, the uh, the same prayer that's in the uh, mezuzah. That's so gorgeous. Wow. It's I believe so, it's so interesting I because <laughs> my obviously the Christian faith that I was brought up in does, doesn't do any of that. And I wonder if, like in general, if Christians are aware of those like rituals because you know when when we read that text, I think you just kind of like skim over and are like, okay, like. It is what it is, like moving on. That's but it's so interesting cool. to hear that it it like materializes in such a specific way for the Jewish people. Yeah. I was kind of wondering that too, because I was like, oh wait, why don't you guys keep kosher? And like, why don't you have a mezuzah? Cause like it seems like it's I thought maybe it was because that was part of like um, you know, the sort of scholarly aspect that I was referring to. Maybe that was like a you know, the Jewish scholars were making these things up i didn't well, know they were actually specifically in the i think text, so. i think the, the a big reason is like that in the new testament basically the new testament kind of negates a lot of the old testament and is like oh actually those are old rules and now that hmm. jesus came and died you don't have to do any of this shit and it's like why you can eat shellfish and like those rules have become um irrelevant and I'm, I'm assuming that maybe is applying to like these things too, like the yeah. and the other thing that I don't know how to say. Um, it's like, oh, you don't have to do these rituals anymore because Jesus and whatever, and his ritual sacrifice has mm. taken the place of all of these um, I, habits or something. I think I, I also like for me, I mean, I'm kind, I don't know, just a logical answer for me is that like these books seem to be where God is only talking to the Israelites. Like, it's like, I'm actually only God for you. And so like, I, I imagine at some point, I don't know when, if it's like Jesus, when it's like, oh, now everyone has this relationship with God. Like, you know what I mean? Like these might just yeah. be, it seems like logically where it's like, well, wh why I could see why Christians wouldn't have those things, but it more just like in a logical way where it's like, well, cause they're not the chosen people. They're not the Israelites, you know? 
Yeah. Or something. But it is weird. It Maybe is weird. It's also make- laziness. Maybe Christian's like, oh, this is too much. Like, we're just going to like Beast. sing gospel songs yeah. and like eat donuts. Like, shrimp is so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, well, that's great. I feel like I just learned. Yeah, a lot. Now, all of this could be completely wrong. This is a disclaimer. That that's I could kind of, well, that's the whole, if people that's the are whole looking tone. for, yeah, look, we're just trying yeah. our best. If people are looking for like Bible scholars and Torah scholars and rabbis, like they're probably a podcast for that. Okay, I'll swear. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Yeah, I think basically we're not pretending to be experts on anything and are just approaching this as people who are ready to learn and experience. So you can be wrong you can be wrong you can be wrong on this I probably have. um podcast but did you how did not. you feel when you were reading the bible like what did your did you have any like physical sensation did you have any kind of mental you know what's up i think it's just weird because it's something you sort of take for granted like yeah i grew up in a semi-religious i mean a semi-conservative jewish household I never thought I like knew the Bible that well, but then as I was reading it, I was like, oh, I really don't like this text all just seems very new to me. Yeah. I find it to be a very um, intense, weird reading experience. It was, it was pretty interesting. And also I'm like reading it online because I don't have my yeah. actual physical book with me. So like that probably lessened the experience, but. Are you reading it on Torah.com? Um, I don't know what I was reading it on. Can you actually read the other day when I was asking you, about I might have it in the text when I was asking you found some website maybe with Torah on it that was like it had all these categories it was like the categories (laughs) of the list was really good it was like the categories of what you could click what section of the website you could go to I think you texted it to me but so this is this is from the Jewish virtual library Mm -hmm. and I have no idea like who's putting this up or what but yeah the the um different sections that you could navigate through are um, anti-semitism biography history holocaust israel israel education myths and facts politics religion travel u.s and israel vital stats and bringing up the rear women (laughs) (laughs) women that's classic (laughs) yeah um was there was there anything in your brief experience with Deuteronomy, was there anything that like freaked you out? Because we've been freaked out a lot by the Bible. Um, I think just hearing sort of the way Moses was sort of recounting like his journey and being like, I feel like there were, there were parts when he was like, and he's not going to talk to you. So he's going to talk, he talked to me. So you have to listen to me. Um, like you're never going to hear from him. So just listen to what I have to say. Like, I thought those were very weird moments. I was like, this seems like an obvious game that he's playing, <laughs> like, where he's kind of make, maybe making up these rules. Yeah, um, and it's like the the Israelites are essentially, like, powerless, and it's like, oh, this one man has complete control over this whole situation. And it, I mean, for me, it reminds me of the power dynamic between, like, a pastor and his congregation uh, and, and what I've experienced, where, like, the pastor is kind of like the closest to God and kind of has like mm-hmm. the ultimate authority. And oftentimes, I mean, the way I looked at pastors growing up was like, oh, you're flawless and like you can do no wrong. And like Moses is kind of like inhabiting that where it's a little scary that he has all that power. Well, he gets his ass handed to him because he doesn't get to go into the promised land. That's true. That's true. Right. 
which also seems dirty to us, but um, what are you going to do? You, did you guys discuss that? You probably already discussed that. Yeah. Well, how did you feel? Did you know that Moses doesn't even get to go to the promised land? Yeah. That was always one thing that stood out to me. And I was like, what? You're going to I know. Like, not let Moses in after all that, but. Um, and he's like the main character. I mean, especially for these first four books, Moses is the main character. And yeah. then it always it's like a, it seems like kind a, of poetic though. Yeah, and it's it's Aww. kind of it's kind of like um satisfying and you know it's like happy endings is kind of like okay, we like we know what happy endings are. We like watch those movies, and it's kind of cool that it's like it's not just a happy ending, it's not like wrapped up with a little bow, like there is a little bit of a twist. That's true. It's kind of satisfying. It's satisfying because it's also like, if Moses, like, wouldn't it be so boring if we did get to find out about Moses's life in the promised land? It would yeah. just be like, who gives a shit? Like, well, and then we'd have to deal with more speeches from him, which like- oh. And what if he was tra- so traumatized that he behaved like Noah and yeah. kind of, I would not like to see Moses's breakdown. So I'm actually glad he died on a, in a good spot. Yeah, and I think the idea that like, he his whole life is devoted to bringing these people to a place that he'll never see yeah is like i don't know maybe that just also like historically feels like on point but it's very noble it's like moses is kind of the best well this is like the last instance of moses just being better than everyone else i mean he fucked up like there's a reason he isn't going to the promised land well do you know what it is because he's getting punished because he like helped them get water right it's my understanding that he was commanded by God to basically like tell the people that this rock is going be, like God is going to bring water from this rock. Mm-hmm. And instead of just sort of saying that and, you know, yeah, sort of having that happen, he like hits the rock with his staff or something or oh. a stick. And, and it was always my understanding that the, he sort of disobeyed God's word and sort of undercut the the sort of power um, that was supposed to come from the gesture of, you know, just telling the people yeah. God is going to bring water from this rock. So by hitting it, he sort of like, he undermined him. Yeah. But oh, like, come on. That's not that big of a deal. But, um, Oh, wait, I had one. Did you have more questions? Yeah, I just had one. Yeah, none of this is probably usable, so sorry. No, it's great. Um, Oh, I was thinking, Andy, actually, Andy, I thought of you when I was reading this because there's one part where it was reminding me of Andy recently watched Andre Rublev, and I did as well. And there was this part about, I don't know how much of it you read, actually, maybe you didn't get to this, but there was this part where it was making me think, Peyton, you too, like, it was making me think about artists. And in book 28, chapter eight, he's like, bless thee and all they, and all thy giveth thy hand to. And it's kind of saying like, whatever you do, I'm going to bless that. I'm going to like, whatever it is that you're supposed to do, you'll do it really well. I'll be like guiding your hand, you know? And um, there were two things that I was thinking about, which is, but I take one of them back, which is that Christian art, like, but I'm thinking of contemporary Christian art is pretty bad and so I was wondering I wanted to raise the question if we think God has bad taste and then (laughs) the other thing though was that then I remember though old Christian art old religious art all like totally rules and it just made me think about yeah Andre Rublev the sort of being called by God to like use your hand to make make the work like what did you know I I sometimes when I'm making things or writing or trying to conceive of some project I'm like have this idea of trying to appease god so 
So I just wonder what y'all think about that. I never think about appeasing God with what I'm making, <laughs> but but I, I think a lot about like perfection and like cleanliness or whatever. And it's interesting to think about how that relates to God and the Bible and the emphasis on like orderliness, cleanliness, things mm. being like perfect and not a lot of room for something being out of place or not a lot of room for like even the most minor mistake or like overstep or something. And like, as someone who makes things, you know, I like am constantly looking at like art or whatever that looks perfect is so clean. And that's like not my style, so to speak. So, I mean, that's the only, I guess, thing that came up for me when you said that. I don't really think yeah. about pleasing God. Well, I but think I, I'm trying, but I I'm think trying about to like... like perfection and art and like how that's related. So, you know, back to this kind of yeah crazy shit of you have to be like the most perfect person or you're going to die. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of like divine, like maybe more like divine inspiration or like a secular God, like, you know, like trying to appease a secular God, like by like, okay, I'm going to like channel this thing and like make it happen. Like, I definitely believe in divine inspiration, but I don't know. I don't think, I think this verse would make me believe it's due to God, the Lord. Anyway, I feel like <laughs> I never think of um, like Jewish God as having much to do with art mm-hmm. <laughs> like the idea of divine inspiration feels very christian to me okay mm-hmm. and just bring now that you mentioned like andre rublev it's like there are no like jewish icon painters really oh interesting and i think in deuteronomy specifically he talks about like not th- there are like yeah 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 so that i mean that was something that kind of surprised me but um it kind of makes sense yeah in terms of like yeah the jewish iconography isn't really that's not really a thing I don't think yeah um yeah I don't know how that really relates to the idea of like God sort of guiding our hand that see that seems to me like I I sort of filter it through like olden times and that seems more like oh yeah if you plant some seeds they'll grow like because uh-huh. God is like is sort of like helping your hand or whatever yeah it's like guiding your hand but okay. in terms of like creation of art I don't know I think the Christian's we took that went on that <laughs> I, know, I just had a really good idea I'm like no I want to make a up. series of work called graven images how good would that be oh that'd be great I know don't steal it anyone I'm gonna do it um <laughs> I feel like we should wrap up yeah that was re- thank you Andy so much thank you um, Andy it was so nice to have you you know ever since I met you I've not. been jealous that you were one of the chosen people and I wasn't and so well, he also points out that um it's for no reason yeah, basically, he went, <laughs> he went to other people and they just didn't accept his commandments. Lucky um, you. Lucky you. Well, thank you again. It's so nice to see you. And goodbye to you, you Andy. With Deuteronomy, and we also say goodbye to Moses. to Moses. Oh, we also need to rank the books of the Bible as per our podcast. So Peyton, what are you thinking? I'm thinking that Wait, can we you, still... Yeah, what's the so order? At, up to now, we're here we are. It's Genesis... Exodus is next. Then we have numbers. numbers. Then we have Leviticus. I'm going to slide Deuteronomy right above numbers. I was going to do the same thing. So we got Genesis, so Genesis, Exodus, Exodus Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, numbers, Leviticus, Leviticus. Yeah. the curse. Okay. Sounds good to me. We all agree. Okay. Well, see you next time for Joshua. Joshua coming through. Joshua is a hot name. It is hot. Come through, Joshua. Okay. Right, bye. See you I next you time. Guys. <laughs> bye.